Uh, let's turn together in our Bibles uh, to the New Testament book of Galatians. We're going to be in chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This morning marks week 6 of our nine-week series uh, entitled Fruitfulness. It's a series that has us looking at the nine character qualities, the character traits uh, called the fruit of the Spirit. And these traits are what every Christian man and woman ought to possess and display in their lives. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we read this, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're just joining us this morning, we have already for the last four weeks considered love, joy, peace, and patience. Those sermons are available on our website, and I would commend them to you if you want to get caught up in this series. Uh, This morning, though, we're going to be looking at kindness and goodness Jerry Bridges, a commentator, writes this, If kindness is the sincere desire for the happiness and well-being of others, then goodness is the activity calculated to advance that happiness and well-being. Now, I'm positive none of you memorized that, so I'll even simplify it a little bit more this morning. To define uh, kindness and goodness in even simpler terms, we might say, That kindness and goodness is wanting and working for the happiness and well-being of others. That's kind of the definition, the launch pad that we're going to use this morning for the the rest of our time. If we were to uh, somehow have access to a time machine, uh, or if one of you handymen could build us a time machine, and we could travel back to the first century... Uh, to the Christian churches that were located throughout the Roman province of Galatia, we would not see much, if any, kindness and goodness. We gather in Galatians chapter 5, verses 15 and 20 and 21, we gather that there was envy among the Galatian Christians. There was jealousy, we read, we, backbiting, gossip, dissension, division, rivalry, the exact opposites, if you will, of kindness and goodness. And if we were to back up even further, a reading from the beginning of Paul's book of Galatians, uh, we would learn in the first few chapters of this book that the root of this fleshly behavior was false doctrine. Because what we believe always ends up determining how we behave. The Galatian Christians had begun to believe this false notion that forgiveness and salvation and eternal life was something they needed to earn rather than something to simply be received. And this led to all sorts of conflict amongst them as they were essentially trying to out-Christian, outperform one another in certain Old Testament laws and rituals. See, When performance-based righteousness is in the room, kindness and goodness are the first to leave. 
Because how can we possibly be sensitive to the needs of others? How can we possibly work and or want and, and work for the happiness and well-being of others when we are clawing and clamoring for our own spot in heaven? This is why the Apostle Paul begins the book of Galatians by reminding the Galatians and us of the true gospel. And if we could summarize Paul's angle on the gospel in the first four chapters of this book, it would be this. He would say this, you and I are not saved from sin and given eternal life because of anything we do. We are saved by grace alone to the glory of God alone when we simply place our trust in what Jesus has already done in his perfect life, sacrificial death, and miraculous resurrection. The framework of Paul's logic is this. Only when we believe the true gospel will we be able to walk in the kindness and goodness God desires of us. And if you're a note taker, that's the first of my three points this morning. When it comes to kindness and goodness, number one, God desires these of us. Number two, God displays these to us. And number three, God develops these in us. And so for the rest of our time, that's the outline that I'll be following. Let's look at number one. God desires these. He desires kindness and goodness to emanate from us. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, teaches us that God created humankind to not only enjoy him, but to reflect him and his fruitful character on the earth to reflect his love and joy and peace and patience and, wait for it, kindness and goodness. What was the first command that he gave to Adam and Eve? I asked it a couple weeks ago. Be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply. This means that every person to ever walk the planet, every person in the room this morning has been designed for fruitfulness, designed to walk in kindness and goodness. It's the reason why we all feel so fulfilled when we are treated kindly and when we treat others kindly. We are, when, when we are walking in kindness and goodness, we are living into our created purpose, so to speak. That's the essence of human flourishing. When we empty the dishwasher, so our spouse does not have to, our hearts get to smile and sing because kindness is part of our created purpose. When we rake leaves in our neighbor's yard, not only do they get to look at us with great confusion, but our hearts get to sing with joy because we are walking in our created purpose of kindness and goodness, reflecting the image of the triune God on the earth. When we write a note of encouragement to our boss, as hard as that is to do for some of us, hopefully Pastor Ronnie isn't listening to this, we have the opportunity to live into the kindness and goodness that God has designed us for. When we cheer just as loud for the opposing team as we do our own kids, once again, it confuses the heck out of the opposing team and we get to live in and walk in the kindness for which we were designed. It's oddly fulfilling, and natural selection 
and humanism and the Darwinian theory, they offer no explanation for this fulfillment. But the Bible does when it says that God's design and desire for us is that we would want and work for the happiness and well-being of others. Philippians 2, 3, and 5. Have this attitude, brothers and sisters, among yourselves. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in fact, in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Paul continues in Colossians 3.12, so put on then God's chosen ones, put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and patience. Ephesians 4.32, Paul flat out says this, be kind. (laughs) Be kind and compassionate to one another. We could go further and further. We could drive this stake even deeper, but suffice it to say, are we all on the same page here? God desires that we walk in kindness and goodness. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of this. I need to be reminded of the simple fact that God takes kindness very seriously. If I'm honest, I can tend to view kindness and goodness as somehow less than spiritual. Can you relate with that? Like almost, almost elevating truth and doctrine, theology, Combat against heretics. I can elevate that in spiritual significance above and beyond simply being kind. But what a contradiction when my preoccupation with truth allows me to slide into all sorts of unkindness. How ironic, how contradictory of me to herald the good news of Jesus with my lips and yet with my life, irritability, inconsideration, impatience, harshness, entitlement, just general flat out rudeness. When I was in high school, uh, I worked as a bellman at a five-star hotel in my hometown, I was saving money for college. And there was this one day, this very wealthy older woman rolls up in her Rolls Royce, and after unloading all nine of her Louis Vuitton bags and taking them up to the executive suite for her, giving her the little, you know, thank you, ma'am, uh, she, she hands me this $100 bill. And I'm like, that's why I work here. I'm in high school bringing home cash money. Yeah, so I get down to the office to kind of brag to the other bellman and I unfold it and it's fake. And do you know what it says? Disappointed, you won't be with Jesus. I mean, I was a believer signing up for like atheistic clubs at that moment. You know what I mean? Like I'm out, I'm done. I'm done. This whole Jesus thing was a good ride because that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Now, hopefully, 
to a much lesser degree, hopefully to a much lesser degree, we will look into our lives and we will see that we're not so innocent of stuff like that. How unattractive when Christians hyper-spiritualize truth and yet under-spiritualize kindness and goodness. Just look at the way Christians interact on social media during political season. I'm not saying don't have a political viewpoint. I am saying that we are obliterating our witness as God's ambassadors, as reflections and image bearers of Jesus to a, an unkind. We are obliterating it by the way we respond to people. Have truth, but be kind, church. Sometimes the greatest kindness we can give is not laying down a certain truth at that moment. It is true what you want to say, but might it be better suited that you don't say it for the sake of extending a bit of kindness to the individual? I'm just as guilty. When we under-prioritize showing kindness to others, we actually undervalue the kindness Christ has shown to us. And we'll see that in just a minute. The same can be said when we are selective with how we distribute kindness. See, for most of us, we have a list of people who we have a natural affinity for. It's easy to extend kindness to them. In 2017, a waitress in London posted a picture onto social media of a restaurant bill. She was a waitress in London. The family that she served apparently noticed her equal rights gay rights tattoo on her forearm because with a zero dollar tip they wrote a little tiny note next to it it said bad tattoo we can't tip someone who doesn't love Jesus that, po that picture went viral <laughs> praise Jesus that he wasn't selective when it came to extending his kindness. Because myself first in line and then that family at that restaurant, we don't deserve the kindness of Christ. It seems that in this cultural moment, does it not seem that we can't even just disagree with someone else anymore. In this cultural moment, if you disagree with me, I immediately hate you. Do we not sense that? Now, I get that the world who doesn't claim to follow Christ might be engaging in that. But for goodness sakes, don't we see the church kind of succumbing to that as well? Whatever happened to being able to patiently, kindly, cordially, intellectually have a conversation with another uh, human being created in the image of God and simply disagree with them and yet still serve them and still want and work toward their happiness and their well-being? I'm afraid that those days are gone. From now on, it's disagree and hate. 
But my goodness, the church has such an opportunity right now in this cultural moment to extend kindness to those, not even our enemies, they just disagree with us. Enemies of the cross, if they don't submit to Jesus, yes. But that battle is between principalities and spirit. Oh God, give us the ability to be kind to those who are unkind to us in dialogue. Put on God's chosen ones. Put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and patience. And the best news of this, the best news of uh, of this command, this demand, this desire of God is that he doesn't expect us to live in this way uh, without him modeling it to us first. Number two, God displays these to us. God displays kindness and goodness to us. It emanates out of his very being. What kindness, sorry, that got loud. That scared me. (laughs) What kindness that, that, that he created us in the first place, church. What kindness that he would share himself with us and everything in this wonderful world that he has made. You know, it's because of his kindness that you and I can describe the flavor of a pineapple. It's because of his kindness that, that we have seen the extravagant color of sunrise, sunset. It's because of his kindness that we will later today, by his grace, experience the cool of the five o'clock breeze blowing through Worcester. According to James 1, 7, these are all good gifts raining down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to his awesomeness. What kindness that even after Adam and Eve rebelled against him, what a kindness that he clothed them. And then he sent them away from the Garden of Eden with a promise, I will come and rescue you. I will send a rescuer. What kindness that even as mankind continued in utter wickedness, he mercifully called to himself Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Let's keep going through the Old Testament. What kindness he showed to Moses and the people of Israel, plucking them out of slavery in Egypt, preserving them while they were moaning and groaning in the wilderness and then providing them with a land of milk and honey, establishing them as his goodwill ambassadors on the earth. What kindness that time and time again through Israel's rebellion, God remained faithful. What kindness that he would come to earth himself, God the Son, Jesus Christ, becoming human in every way. What kindness that he did not come to swoon the nobles and the power players, but he came to the lowly, the meek, those who had nothing to offer but need. He came to the woman at the well. He came to the prostitutes and the drunkards and the thieves. What kindness that God on high would kneel so low as to wash the feet of the men who were competing for rank in his very midst. What kindness that he would wash the feet of the man who would deny him three times. What kindness that he would wash the feet of the one who would kiss him with flattery for 30 pieces of silver. What kindness of all kindness 
that God, the perfect, immaculate son, offered his life as the propitiation for our crimes. That he accepted the unkind cup of God's wrath on the cross so that we might be shown, according to Ephesians 2, the immeasurable riches of grace and kindness. What kindness that God raised Jesus from the dead. What kindness that he left us, no doubt, that he is the way and the truth and the life and that no one who puts their hope in him will be put to shame. Listen, we at Substance can have all of our theological ducks in a row. We can have a high and mighty view of God's sovereignty, wisdom, and power, but if we do not have a high view of his kindness and goodness, we don't have a high view of God. Let's not kid ourselves in our doctrine of God and our Christology. We had a man, I, this isn't in my manuscript, I'm going off book here. We had a man who visited us for several weeks in a row. His name was Kevin. He said that he Google searched theology in Worcester and this place came up and that's why he came, which is all well and good until the very moment that he doesn't experience kindness and goodness here. Does that make sense? Like, we can be people of the book. We should be creatures of the word who know our doctrine and can snuff out heretics. But we should also be the kindest, goodest people in Wayne County. Make it so in my heart, Lord. Start with me. Because it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It is not immaculate Christology it is not a perfect articulation of eschatology. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. When a sinner knows he or she is a sinner and the Lord comes in and he says, because of the blood, the merit, the righteous merit of my son, I exonerate your sins and I bring you into my fold. You did not seek me, I sought you. You did not pay for your sin, I bought you. You did not come in crawling, I brought you into my kingdom. When we see that, don't we tremble at his feet, at that kindness? The fact is, Christians, more than any other group of people on the planet, have every reason to be kind. After all, what kindness that he's revealed all these things to us in his word. He has sent us the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to come to make our hearts new through a generation, to prove these truths to us, that our hard hearts would be made soft, that we would believe and receive everlasting life, signed, sealed, delivered, all by the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And what kindness now for those who are called according to his purpose, who love him. Every hellish nightmare of a disaster you're facing right now, he promises in his word, he is gonna turn that for your good and his glory. Just wait for it. What kindness. And the very kindness and goodness that God desires of us and displays to us, he also, by his grace, develops in us. Point number three. After all, they're called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. He does it in us. It's fruit from him. Nothing we produce. 
It's the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you at all this morning, first of all, praise the Lord. Secondly, the first thing that you should not do when you leave here is to simply try harder to be kind and good. That is not the first thing we are to do. We thank God the Holy Spirit for his kind conviction. We ask him, we plead with him to produce genuine kindness and goodness in us while we stare at the face of Christ in his word. While we ask ourselves, while we are in his word, what are the things, Lord, that are keeping me from walking in kindness and goodness? What are the things that I am over-prioritizing? I tell you what, the opportunities that I most often have to be kind are interruptions to the things that I had already planned for my day. I couldn't even, you can't make this up. I'm waiting in Chipotle. It was like Thursday afternoon this week. My burrito was ordered 15 minutes ago, and I'm a... I'm go, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm leaning on the table like this. I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to say something, and I'm like, well, I will just work on my sermon for a minute. <laughs> Kindness and goodness. How providential. How wonderful that the Holy Spirit would save me from my idiot self in that moment to go up and simply thank the dude with gauges wider than paper plates in his ears, to thank him. Hey, I'm a tattoo dude, so I wasn't making fun of him, Okay but to thank him for the burrito. It doesn't matter, it was 20 minutes late. Dude, thanks. Thanks for your work on this. That was not my flesh. That was a miracle happening right there. (laughs) What are the hot button issues when you're scrolling on social media? Those, Those issues. Wait a minute, is he saying feel the burn? Is that a Bernie Sanders guy? Wait a minute, is he a Donald Trump supporter? You know, you know those, those moments when your blood starts to boil through your ears. What are the moments? What are the hot button issues that you need to stop and chill out in the Holy Spirit for a second? Call a friend. Ask him or her to pray that kindness would infect your heart. And maybe choose not to respond. Kindness and goodness is very practical, dudes. Very, very practical. It's the moments of our day when we least feel like walking in it. That's when we call out to the Holy Spirit and beg him for help. It is spirit-empowered kindness and goodness. It's like prayer. The moments when I least feel like doing it, that's when the Spirit is calling me to do it. I read an article this week. It was a story a Holocaust survivor. Her name was Francine Christoph. Her name is Francine Christoph. She's still alive. She told a story at Auschwitz. Her mother and her came into the concentration camp. She was a young girl. Her mother and her smuggled in, each of them, a tiny piece of chocolate. And they held on to that piece of chocolate for years in the concentration camp waiting for the day, that perfect moment when they would eat it and just be encouraged and uplifted. They had no personal possessions, nothing to enjoy, no hope on the horizon, nothing that tasted good, but that little tiny piece of chocolate. Well, it just so happens that another woman came in and she was pregnant. And as her pregnancy developed, she was in more and more discomfort and pain. Labor pains really started to kick in. This woman was in agony. Think of it, the coldness of Auschwitz. The horror 
the executions, the sounds. She was so discouraged that the women in this bunker, uh, they thought she may not make it. And so do you know what the girl did? She went to her mom and said, I think that this is the moment. This is the moment we've been waiting for, for these pieces of chocolate. They took it over, they gave them to the woman. It lifted her soul and her spirit. A healthy baby was born right then and there. And it was decades later, just recently, where Francine Christophe was lecturing a group of adults of the horrors, sharing about her time in Auschwitz, and a woman walked up onto the stage and put a piece of chocolate in her hand and said, I'm the child. Thank you for being kind to my mom. So I cried while I read that. Unreal. And we think, and I'm tempted to think that kindness is spiritually insignificant. Heck no. We never know what the sovereign Lord will do when we obediently model a kind savior in an unkind world. We never know what he may do. He is powerful to do exceedingly more than we would ask or even think in a moment of simply being kind and good to someone. So this week, when we are tempted to speak unfavorably about someone, gossip, the poison of the church, when we are tempted to that, let us, as God's people, remind ourselves that Jesus is right now, as we're tempted to speak unfavorably, he is right now speaking favorably of us before the throne of grace. In the moments when we are tempted to ignore someone's need, let's remind ourselves that Jesus didn't do that with us. Thank God. In the moments when we're tempted to hoard our time and our talent and our money, Let's look at Jesus. What did he do? The calendar was out on the table. The wallet was open. And he just simply said, who can I give these things to? Who can I give my time to? Who can I give my money to, to bless them in a way that shows them the radiant face of God in all of his glory? When we're tempted this week to be rude in a restaurant, Let's remind ourselves of the compassion that we have received from Jesus. To pray and ask God the Holy Spirit to make us a sensitive church, a church that pursues the happiness and well-being of those around us and then let us expect him to answer it. For we are his workmanship and we were created in Christ Jesus for good works such as these, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are opportunities on the horizon this week for us to walk in kindness and goodness that God has already foreordained. Will we walk in them by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, we will. That some might come to know him. Would you pray with me? God, in these closing moments, 
I, I pray that you would remind each heart of this right now, that we are not saved because we are kind and good. We are saved by your precious grace through Christ Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that we would walk in goodness and in kindness. Let us not leave this place errant in our belief. Let us not be, let us not trend the direction that the Galatians were trending back in the first century. We are not here to out-Christian one another in kindness and goodness. We are here to lap up the inexhaustible kindness and goodness of Jesus and then go and reflect him more. There is no audition here this morning for those who believe and trust that Jesus is the way, truth, and life and that only by his blood can we be saved from our sin and granted eternal life. Only by his resurrection can we experience that forever life. For those who believe this message, signed and sealed and delivered, we have been ushered into the kingdom of heaven. Citizens, where we stand right now. Now, out of that, let us go in repentance to sin in unkindness no more and to put on by the Holy Spirit's power the kindness and goodness that you prepared beforehand for us to walk in. We thank you for all these wonderful truths. In Jesus' name, amen.